0: Welcome to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey with your host Yasmina Ellens.
1: Welcome to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey where we take the skills, mindset, and attitude needed to achieve any entrepreneurial endeavor. Whether you're just starting out or you're already on your journey. And now our host Yasmina
0: Ellens. Hello, and welcome back to the Young Entrepreneur's Journey podcast with your host, Yasmina Ellens. Now, your personal brand is extremely important. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And if you don't control your narrative, others will control it for you. And having a strong personal brand is particularly crucial when you're pivoting in a new direction life or relaunching your career, especially if you're an entrepreneur. Now, today I'm chatting with Joseph Liu. He is a keynote speaker, career consultant, podcast host, and certified coach who helps professionals define and market their personal brands more effectively during times of career transition, applying branding and marketing principles from his 10 years of international brand management experiences in companies in the US and UK, including Clorox, GooPods, and General Mills. Joseph has been a featured speaker at TEDx, The Guardian, London Business School, the London School of Economics, both Cambridge and Oxford's business schools, just to name a few. He's also been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Glassdoor, HuffPost, Lifehacker, and many, many more renowned publications. He also hosts the Career Relaunch podcast featuring inspiring stories of career change, which has featured as a top business podcast in Forbes, Glassdoor, and Business Insider. Now, by the end of this interview, you will gain a clear understanding of how to build a powerful personal brand. You will have a roadmap to effectively launch your career, and you will feel confident that these principles will help propel you forward on your path to success. So, thank you so much for taking the time to have this chat with us today.
1: Thank you for having me, Yasmina. Looking forward to our conversation.
0: Definitely. So, this is the first question I usually ask people, and I'm gonna think I'm gonna spin it slightly for you, which is what what got you onto the path you're on today, you know, being a coach, being a speaker, helping people define their personal brands and relaunch their careers.
1: So it kind of depends on how far back you you want to go, but um, I guess I, I guess I'll start by first of all talking about the fact that I have always been interested in starting my own business from the very uh, start of my childhood, I was interested in business and actually in high school, I started a, this is going to age me a little bit here, but I started a floppy disk uh, resale business in the basement of my home in uh, Springfield, Missouri. I was selling, I was just selling blank floppy disks and uh, loved that. I eventually thought I was going to go to medical school, went to medical school, left medical school after a couple weeks and at the same time found myself eventually applying to business school and spent about 10 years, as you mentioned, working in the corporate world, mostly marketing household goods and also luxury desserts. And then around 2012, I found myself getting a little bit stagnant in my career and not really finding as much gratification as I had hoped for in the corporate world. And in 2013, decided to leave the corporate world behind and start my own career consultancy. It's something I was just doing on the side originally, and I found myself really loving that work, and uh, eventually shifted into doing that full-time. And so I started as a kind of career coach, if you want to call it that, and then eventually shifted into doing more webinars, workshops, public speaking, keynote talks, and I think that's how you and I first crossed paths.
0: Mm, Definitely. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely vouch for the fact that your talks are amazing. Um, And so with that, diving into the pillar of personal brand, what does personal brand mean to you?
1: So for me, it's pretty simple in terms of my definition, which is that it's essentially who you are and what you stand for. And so when you think about the act of personal branding, that is essentially, first of all, defining who you are. And then the second part of it is taking actions to reinforce who you are to not only yourself, but also to other people.
0: Mm. And so how does one do that? Because something that I keep on hearing is everyone has a personal brand and people don't even think of it like that. They think the personal brand is something that you create. So how can you go about taking control of your personal brand and building a really powerful one?
1: So the first thing that I would suggest you do is to get clear on who you are and what you feel differentiates you from other people. And what I have found a lot of people struggle with when it comes to this is people will say, oh, I I don't really have anything that's truly unique about me or there's other people out there who are like me. And what I've found is that part of it is figuring out what makes you unique. But the other part where a lot of people don't really follow through on it is going out there and reinforcing it consistently. So it's getting clear on who you are, what differentiates you from other people, and then making a point to consistently reinforce it through, for example, social media and how you behave on social media, what you share, what you post, what you publish, how you spend your time, what what are the activities you're engaging in, either personally or professionally to reinforce that brand it even goes into things like how you treat other people, how you make other people feel. And when it comes to thinking about your career or your entrepreneurial journey, a lot of it is about being proactive about what sort of narrative you're trying to create for yourself or your business or product or service that you're marketing to other people.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And um you know because it's, it's one of those things that it's it's exhibited everywhere you know if you're having a conversation like in this conversation right now with me and you I'm getting a sense of who I think you are and you're getting a sense of who you think I am And this is how we're sort of portraying uh, ourselves to each other and also what we've seen about each other online and whatnot so yeah. I think that's such an interesting thing
1: yeah people are making first impressions on one another all the time and I was actually this morning because one of the webinars I host is on how to pitch yourself effectively, and I've been trying to look for a stat recently on how quickly people make judgments about you, and, and it ranges anywhere from one-tenth of a second all the way up to 15 minutes, and the reality is that this is just how the human mind works. We make judgments about one another very quickly, and it's hard to remake those impressions once they've been formed.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I think um, one of the most powerful ways of learning is learning from failures and learning from mistakes. And you've got so much experience when it comes to branding and marketing. And so I'm wondering, what are the most common mistakes that you see when people are building their personal brand?
1: So there's probably two mistakes I see quite often, Yasmina. The first is... Trying to be everything to everyone. And by the way, when I talk about these mistakes, these are things I've done in my own career, my own life. These are things that are very tempting and very natural to do. But trying to appeal to everyone out there, trying to be broad in your approach or to take a very open-ended, flexible approach in terms of how you define yourself or how you communicate with others uh, this happens when people are job hunting. It also happens when people are trying to launch their own business. They're trying to launch too many things or try to be too many things to too many different people. And what tends to happen when you do that is you try to stand out to everyone, but you end up standing out to no one. And so this is a fundamental principle of marketing, which is to try to be very specific about what you're offering to other people. The other common mistake I see is that people will... Take more of a bottom up approach to how they describe themselves. And what I mean by that is they'll look back at their career history and they'll just do like a chronological rehashing of every single role and responsibility and job title that they've had. And what I've found to be more effective is to be very selective and specific about those exact experiences that you want to communicate to other people. So I think sometimes people feel like they have to say everything about their background, but actually it's okay to be selective and to only highlight those experiences that you feel are most relevant to the kind of narrative you're trying to build for yourself.
0: Mm. It's true because the brain can only take in so much information. So if you're yeah. going to give someone a five-page CV and I'm like, look, I've done all of these incredible things, <laughs> so many of them, they're yeah. going to they're, they're, they're gonna, gonna miss the important stuff. And I think that's why being selective is so key because you can say, this is why I am relevant to you. And I think the point that you made about not watering yourself down, defining exactly who you are and not trying to placate placate to everyone is such an important point. You need to know who is my target audience? Who am I trying to attract? Who is my target market? Because if you don't do that, you're not going to attract your target market. If you try and, water yourself down and placate to everyone one that's not a good state to be living in that's just not fun Uh, and second of all you know people aren't as you say you're not going to stand out
1: yeah exactly it it can also just be very overwhelming which i think you're alluding to there it's just not as much fun because you're just you're just spinning too many plates and that is stressful and unsustainable and that lack of focus especially when you think about entrepreneurs out there, since you're talking about entrepreneurship, it's, it's really hard to have a focus and to go really deep into anything if you're spread too thin. So yeah, it's a common,
0: mm, common. Mistake. Definitely. Yeah. So your, your main gig is, you yeah, know, helping people transition careers or, you know, pivot in industries, whatever it is, uh, relaunch their careers. Uh, and so, So why is having a good personal brand and making sure that the way that you um, approach your personal brand really important when you are relaunching your career?
1: Well, a lot of times what happens is that when you're making a career change, the story that you're trying to tell to other people isn't always going to seem that logical or at least as common because it's just easier to make sense of somebody who's had a linear career path that is staying within a particular function or role or organization or sector, once you start switching careers, what happens is connecting the dots in your career history tends to be a little bit more difficult, especially for, well, not only you, but also the outside observer. So just trying to connect those dots for people is, uh, it's actually tougher, which is why it can sometimes be hard to pull off a career change. So getting clear on your personal brand is... Important because it just helps you tell that story in a way that is clear and concise and consistent, so that people aren't having to struggle as much to figure out what you're all about and what sort of pivot you're trying to make.
0: Mm, definitely, um, it's true. It's true that you need to. It's it's it like it makes me think of when you're applying for a finance position, you're gonna put certain set of experiences forward that relate to finance and this is why i'm great in finance but then you're like wait no actually i want to do law so the next thing you do you're applying for a legal position and that's a completely different game and the reasons that a law firm would want you is different to the reasons that a finance firm would want you
1: yeah absolutely and this is the issue is that when you're not clear about who you are or what you want the risk is that people perceive that you are not clear on what you want and so, one of the things I do with with clients and the uh, the people I work with is sometimes I'll listen to them pitch themselves, or they'll pitch uh, their response to a question like, "What are you looking for?" or "What sort of role are you seeking?" And if they're not clear about what they're looking for, the first thing that starts to enter my mind is, "Well, maybe they don't actually know what they want." And, and so, and that may not even be the case. It might just be that they're not communicating it clearly, but the risk is that you come across as an unfocused candidate or someone who doesn't quite know what they're doing.
0: Mm, Definitely. So how can you pitch yourself effectively? I think this is really important for entrepreneurs, especially because entrepreneurs, they, you know, they're in the beginning of the game. They're like, got their little baby. It's a startup. Um, How can they pitch that? How can they pitch themselves so that, um, you know, if they're applying for a position, someone will be excited to hire them or an investor will be excited to invest money in their project.
1: So the way I think about this is actually quite similar to how you might market a product to a consumer. It's actually not that different. There's a lot of lessons you can learn from marketing that you can apply to your own career. So the first thing I always recommend people think about is who are you trying to reach? So that's that targeting piece, getting really clear on who is the singular person that you're trying to get your message to resonate with. And then from there, and only after you've clearly defined that for yourself, then you can go back and you can start to think about how you want to position yourself so that you can come across as someone who's offering a service or product that is relevant to that person and meaningful to that person and can help that person. But until you get clear on who you're trying to reach, it's very difficult to have that clear, concise, consistent messaging that's going to be meaningful to them. So that's part one. And then part two is, I think, a lot of, um, of just getting clear on your script, rehearsing it, delivering it again and again so that you feel comfortable with it. And part of it is also convincing yourself that you are happy with that story. Because actually, one of our toughest critics is not necessarily that future investor or future partner or customer or client. It's actually ourselves. So if you can convince yourself of what you're trying to sell, that, that is half the battle and it makes it a lot easier to then go out there and convince other people of that.
0: Definitely. If you don't believe in yourself, why should anyone else believe in you?
1: Yeah. And people can see through that. They can sniff it out. And we've all, we've all been on the end of working with somebody or you're about to buy something from somebody and you just kind of sense that they're not, that they wouldn't necessarily buy it. <laughs> and, so, and you can sniff that out and people are smart. They can, they can figure that out.
0: Yeah, it's true. The conviction is so powerful. If you're, if you're sold on yourself and you're so convinced, I am the best person for this, then that's going to come through in your speech. And then they're going to feel like, wow, I think this might be the best person yeah, exactly. for this thing.
1: Exactly, yeah, right.
0: Definitely. Right. So people, you know, it's, it's true what you say, you need a defined goal you need to know know, exactly what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think some when we're talking about career transition though, um, especially in the entrepreneurial space, because it's so it's changing constantly. um, People can sometimes start to feel a bit lost. So how would you recommend someone would go about recalibrating and defining very clear career goals for themselves?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because I think that, and that's a great word that you just used there, Yasmina, calibration, like recalibrating is part of it because Mm -hmm. you're, as you mentioned, your career is going to evolve. What is important to you is going to evolve. What energizes you is going to evolve. And actually just recognizing that can be quite liberating because people oftentimes feel wedded to whatever path they've already invested into. So first step I would recommend you think about is what is important to you and getting really clear on what matters to you in this particular chapter in your career and for a lot of people who are making the leap into entrepreneurship it's it's no longer about a particular level of salary necessarily or getting a fancy job title or getting the corner office or climbing the corporate ladder it's it's about doing something else that they find meaningful or rewarding or, or autonomy or flexibility or having control of a business, having authority to make your own decisions, but just whatever that is for you to get very clear on what matters the most at this particular moment in, in your career, knowing that that might be different from how it looked before and likely will be different from how it looks in the future. And then the second thing is to just figure out what allows you to achieve those things. So understanding that every career move you're going to make is likely going to involve trade-offs and just getting really clear on which move is going to allow you to serve those number one or even the top two or three priorities in your career and also your life.
0: Mm, definitely, definitely. Having those values defined is so important. Something that I hear quite often from entrepreneurs, for instance, but my, might not just be entrepreneurs, just people who are doing what they enjoy is that many people think about it the wrong way around. They think about what job should I have? And that's what they start with when instead they should be thinking about what is the lifestyle I want to live? What is, what is the life I want to have? How do I want to be spending my most important asset, which is time, which is finite, right? What is the, what do I want my life to look like? How do I want to spend my time? And only once you have that defined, then you can reverse engineer, okay, how can I make that lifestyle happen? And then the career might come into play.
1: Yeah. And part of that gets into, I think what you're alluding to there, Yasmina, is a little bit around how you define wealth in your life. And, And the way I define wealth is just having more of the things that you want. And what typically people will do is they'll think about material things like assets or money or material wealth, but actually... As you mentioned, there's a lot of lifestyle wealth out there that sometimes people forget, but is oftentimes that motivating factor that triggers people to want to make the leap out of a traditional job into something that's maybe a little bit riskier, but actually affords them more flexibility or autonomy or just control over how they spend their days. And so, yeah, again, getting clear on what you're trying to build more of in your life is very important.
0: Mm, Definitely. Are there any things that we haven't yet touched on that um, sort of involve the steps that one could take when ensuring a smooth career transition?
1: Well, let's see. I guess, we, well, we've kind of alluded to them. I'll, I'll try to maybe summarize maybe a little bit of what we've said here because I think you use the term build your bridge and that's exactly what I would describe it as. Is I guess three things to keep in mind. Number one is to build your bridge and as you put it, to actually reverse engineer it figure out where you are, where you want to go, and how you can take concrete steps to build that bridge across that inevitable chasm that's going to exist whenever you're trying to change careers or whenever you're trying to launch your own business. And then the second thing is to really just hone in on that pitch, get really clear on it, create your pitch, rehearse it until you feel comfortable with it. And then finally, to put yourself out there and to take action and to connect with other people To share your plans, to evangelize your ideas, to to really promote them with other people, and and to put yourself out there and try to try to see if you can gain some traction.
0: Mm, Definitely, definitely. I have another question that I'd be really curious to hear your thoughts on, and that is, you know, another thing when it comes to career and the journey you're on. A a lot of things happen in life. A lot of things happen, Um, and you're inevitably going to be faced with setbacks and maybe something happens where uh, you get fired or your reputation gets tarnished in some way and your reputation is very, very important because that that ties into your personal brand Um, or or something happens that isn't very good. Um, How do you then rewrite your story so that you can continue to move forward?
1: So the way I think about this is actually in two parts. So there's, first of all, there's the mitigation of the setback so it's like looking ahead is there anything that you can do to potentially reduce the risk of there being a major setback or at least to mitigate the impact that has on you and, and then after that then there's the actual um, dealing with some sort of contingency planning so just to explain that a little bit more first of all just to minimize the impact a couple things you might want to keep in mind is to first of all just avoid putting all your eggs into one basket and what I mean by that is to take a bit of a portfolio approach to how you plan to launch your business. And it might be that you keep one foot in your stable full-time job and then you, you're you working on launching your business on the side. Um, or you, you launch your business, but you have multiple strands of income or multiple strands of business that you're testing the waters on. And then uh, the other thing to keep in mind is to, of course, just have some sort of a backup plan because it again just gives you the reassurance to know that if everything goes south, you've got a you've got a plan B. Now, now with that all said, it's it's possible and also very likely that yeah you're going to have career setbacks and when that happens, and I say when, not if, but when that happens, the uh, first thing to keep in mind is to just. Uh, how do I put this to, to avoid over apologizing for it? Because it, one of the things I, I used to do a long time ago, just, after I graduated from college was I worked in radio and uh, was on the air doing broadcast radio for a news outlet in Hawaii. And one of the things that they told you when you're training to be a news anchor is to not, to not overly apologize on air if you make a mistake on air. And the rationale behind that was that most people who are listening a, may not even notice, but B, even if they did notice, they don't really care so much. And so we tend to really uh, take on these career setbacks in a way that's much heavier than maybe the outside observer. So just to, to not maybe overly apologize or overly defend the fact that you've had a setback. And then the other thing to keep in mind is just to uh, just do your best to try to pivot. And we're currently in the midst of a, a global pandemic. I've got a lot of clients now who have told me they've been made redundant or people who had planned to launch a business and it's not, it's not working out so well. And as an entrepreneur, you just got to get used to this idea of trying to pivot as quickly as possible and to just remember that your career is not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and to just be patient with it, um, which I know is easier said than done, especially with entrepreneurs.
0: <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, that's really interesting. Those are some really good points. And, um, it's something that that makes me think about as well is uh, in your career story, things will happen, but there are ways that in which you can improve it and sort of improve your reputation and improve, you know, solidify your positioning, so to speak. And one thing that I I've heard about that I like to talk about is the Buddha, which is the big undeniable dominating authority. So, right. for example,
1: okay, I haven't heard about
0: that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Amazon is a Buddha. Google's a Buddha. Warren Buffett's a Buddha in finance. Oh, yes. right. And it's interesting because when I look through your bio, you've got so many Buddhas, you know, speaker at TEDx, The Guardian, so many business schools, um, featured in Forbes and Gastor and Fast Company and all these kinds of things. So, I'd love to hear more about your approach to getting featured in these big publications and end up speaking on these big stages.
1: Right. Well, First of all, I got to say, it took a while. Um, it's, uh, it's, it is, uh, it's been a privilege to write for some of these publications and to speak at some of these conferences, and I guess for, the, for anybody listening to this, one thing to keep in mind is that anytime you see somebody who, who has uh, a bio and you think, oh gosh, that's, uh, that's interesting or that's impressive or oh, I wish I could do that, just, just remember that there was a time when they didn't have those, those things on their bio. And, uh, there was a time when I hadn't spoken at any conference and I hadn't been featured in any publication and that there is always going to be a first time for everything. So, um, that's, I guess, just to, just to kind of paint the picture that these things do take time. Um, I had a lot of people just to take the example of being a contributing writer. I had a lot of people say no to my ideas at first. Um, there are plenty of conferences that I have wanted to speak at that I haven't spoken at and I've uh, given talks that haven't gone so well. And so so it's, um, it's just one of those things where you just have to try to put yourself out there uh, just to address your question more specifically. In terms of getting yourself featured in a, in a publication, there's a few different ways you can do that. One is to um, sign up to these services that actually help reporters uh, gain access to expert commentary out there. So... Uh, Just to give you an example, one is called Source Bottle, there's another one called Response Source, another one called Help a Reporter Out, and I can tell you as somebody who is a writer myself, what I'll do is I'll be writing an article on a particular topic, I want to get some expert input or an expert quote for that article, and so I'll I'll post a call for quotes onto something like Help a Reporter Out, and if you subscribe to Help a Reporter Out, which is free as a source... You can get daily emails on topics that reporters are very thirsty uh, to get expert commentary on. So that's one way you can get yourself featured in the press. Another thing you might want to think about is to actually just proactively reach out to reporters who are covering the topic that you feel you could uh, add some value to. And there's, uh, there are resources out there like MuckRack muckrack is one it's just a journalist database and you can connect with reporters who cover a particular beat and potentially develop a relationship with them and that's another way that i've gotten featured in some publications
0: Hmm, definitely i think the point that you made uh, in the beginning that this is a slow process and slowly but surely by putting yourself out there doors will open to you is so true I think the mistake that a lot of people make is that they think, oh, it's this instant thing or they don't even put themselves out there. Um, Or, you know, after they've got three no's, they're just like, oh, I give up. I give up. But in many ways, it's a number.
1: It can take a while. So so you mentioned Forbes before. So that's one of the publications I write for as a contributing writer. And I think it took me almost two years of just... I wasn't wasn't nagging the head editor over there, but (laughs) I was... I've got I got a lot of feedback from him um, saying, "Hey, this article is." I still remember the exact words he used with me. He said, "This article is not revelatory," and he's which I didn't know was a word. I actually learned a word there,
0: well. and
1: he said, "It's it's not that insightful." He said, "This is it, it's not that illuminating." Uh, got a lot of rejection, and eventually, uh, eventually, he said, "Hey, why don't you get some more writing?" down uh, under your belt and um maybe you can share some more pieces with me later but it wasn't until i think it was something like 18 to 24 months later that he finally said yes mm. so yeah these things do take a while
0: and how do you maintain that level of persistence you know when you've got someone saying your writing's not revelatory it's not illuminating yeah. <laughs> what what <laughs> what what keeps you from your what 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 you know keeps you coming back what 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 helps you pick yourself back up and be like, okay let me give this another go
1: well it's it's one of those things I actually when I first started running my own business back in two thousand thirteen i I took everything very personally and as if you talk to any entrepreneur it's a very personal emotional journey and it is very hard when you are extracted from the very comfortable cushions that you have in the corporate world I'm just kind of generalizing here, but there's a lot of shock absorbers when you work for a a large organization that you no longer have when you're on your own. And uh, I equate it to being in a large jet, like a, what, a 777 versus being in one of these turboprop uh, engine airplanes where you you feel every bump when you're by yourself. And so I guess the first thing I try to do is not to, to not take anything too personally. And again, easier said than done. But if you can try to extract yourself from the outcomes and focus on the thing you can control, which is your effort, and if you cannot take it too personally, then uh, it allows you to come back and give it another shot. The other thing I try to remind myself is um, that I, I certainly don't think of myself as The most talented person or the most, um, uh, the most skillful person. I'm not, I'm not the best writer out there. I'm, I, I don't think I necessarily have a natural advantage over anybody else, but I am willing to put in the hard work and I am willing to come back and give it another shot and to persist. And I, I feel like as an entrepreneur, if you can have that sort of a muscle to be willing to come back for another round, that, can oftentimes that putting in that extra one, whatever ten percent, twenty percent above and beyond what the average person would do, can sometimes make a difference, and uh, can help mm. you turn a corner.
0: Yeah, definitely. It, it makes me think of this metaphor of you know, when you're when you're an entrepreneur and you go from this big corporate entity to to going out a little little old you on your own. Uh, you know, in in the in the corporate world, you have your ego, and you know the ego is me but it's not the corporation because the corporation is detached from me. And then you leave the right. corporation, start your own thing. Suddenly your ego is related to the entire business. So like the, the business becomes your ego in a sense, because it's That's your right. baby. It's your thing, which is uh, really interesting.
1: Yeah. 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 It's hard. It, I had plenty of sleepless nights and yeah, it's hard. It's It's hard when you put all your effort into something. And then if it doesn't work out, you kind of feel like, oh, well, either, okay, well, maybe I wasn't cut out for this or or maybe I'm not very good at this. And yeah, that's hard to stomach sometimes. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think in many ways it comes down to be willing to be humbled and willing to take the punches and just face the music every single day, knowing that every single day is going to have a different tune. But that variety is is part of the excitement. Exactly, Um, that's true. Definitely. So one thing I'm curious about is to personal branding is what is your pers- approach to building a personal brand online you know, using social media, websites, things like that? You know, LinkedIn's big, Instagram's big in a completely different way. What's your overall approach to something like that?
1: So it kind of goes back to some of the things I talked about earlier, which is to, to try to take it in pieces. So first of all, to get clear on what sort of narrative you're trying to create for yourself. And instead of just putting yourself out there and just publishing every single thing that comes to mind is to take a step back, figure out what is the domain expertise. I'm talking about this in a professional context, um, but what is the domain expertise I want to be known for? What is the industry I want to be associated with? Where do I want to position myself as a thought leader potentially? And to start there and then to go out and figure out which platforms would allow me to best exhibit this so for example if uh, i think you mentioned linkedin if you if you wanted to for example be a domain expert in a particular area related to i'm just going to make this up let's say uh, green technology or something or um, sustainable living then you want to think okay well where might i be able to exhibit myself most effectively and and maybe it's a place like let's say, LinkedIn, where you could share your thoughts on that topic or your expertise or uh, blog posts or, or even in, uh, industry white papers or whatever that might be, um, but to be very intentional about it and to be very selective about it and to think about which platform is going to allow you to best showcase your skills. And then the other part of it is to try to create some sort of a sustainable cadence to that. So if, if you put the pressure on yourself to publish every hour, that's something you're probably going to drop really quickly. But if you can commit to, uh, I don't know, once a week even, but but whatever that cadence is, is to commit to it and try to stick with it. And having that steady stream of consistent content out there is one way that you can um, try to brand yourself. And it doesn't mean you've got to be self-publishing and creating it could mean that you're just sharing or reposting or even commenting thoughtfully on other people's existing content
0: Mm, definitely it kind of all of that over time shows a kind of composite this is this is who this person is this is what this person is interested in This, this is what this person is good at which i think is is really interesting and just mentioning the comment thing, right? The building relationships is very important. And there's that old saying, your network is your net worth. And it's in many ways, it's true. So I'm curious as to what is your approach to building your network? And do you have any principles or philosophies that you live by when it comes to building relationships?
1: Yeah, the way I think about relationships, and again, I'm going to try to keep this in the the professional context, because I think that's primarily the focus of today, but you could apply the same thing to your personal relationships is I think of if you were to take a snapshot of all the relationships that you've got, they're going to fall into one of three categories. They're either going to be cold contacts who are people who you haven't been in touch with for a while, warm contacts who people, these are people you've been in either regular contact with or maybe recent contact with. And then you got hot contacts who are people you're actively in discussions with related to something that's important to you. And what I try to remember is that it's very hard to go from cold to hot. And so what's important is to try to have some sort of a ritual to keep your contacts warm. And so what I try to do, and I'm not, I'm not always the best at this, is I try to carve out some time and to give myself permission to singularly focus on just relationship warming up or like relationship rekindling. And so, uh, for example, this morning I, I saw somebody in my network uh, I had not seen in, in maybe over a year in the Bay Area. He just got promoted at an organization. And so I just I dropped him a note, congratulated him, and he may or may not write back. But I'm trying to just keep certain relationships warm, especially during those times when I don't actually need anything from these people. And so that if and when there is ever any moment where maybe I do need some help with something, or I am looking to ask somebody for something, that it's not something that just comes out of the blue. So I think having some sort of a ritual, whether it's through LinkedIn, or, or maybe you just got like a, a, a in your calendar, or just checking in with people on their birthdays, or you use a to-do list application that you just try to you have a set these like recurring reminders for yourself but something to keep your your relationships warm because uh, I do I have found that relationships have been a really critical part of everything that I've done
0: mm, yeah I think in uh, in many ways it's thinking it's wanting people to know you as a person who adds value it's like wow this mm-hmm. person they don't you know sometimes I'll see a message this happens quite often I'll see a, a whatsapp message or a messenger message or a linkedin something from someone I've not heard in in a very long time and then they'll be like hey Yasmina how are you doing and I'm just thinking what does this person want from me right. <laughs> that's like the yeah. first thing I think and yeah. you, know, you don't want to invite that response in others you want to think if someone's if if, if Joseph is reaching out to me or if Yasmina is reaching out to me um, they're reaching out to me for a reason. They're thinking about me. They, they're, they're saying, you know, right. is there anything I can do to help you out? Um, they're right. always that person who's looking to add value, which I think is very key. Yeah,
1: Yeah. there's this really weird dynamic I have found. I don't know if you found this, but I've just found that when uh, when, when people are reaching out and they don't need something, I, I actually, <laughs> because I'm so surprised at the fact they've actually taken the initiative to reach out to me without needing anything in, re- in return, I actually am then suddenly eager to try to, see if there's anything I can do to help them. Um, Just because I hear from so few people, you know, like I just don't hear from people (laughs) that often these days. It's Maybe that says something about me. But, um, and I found the same thing with me. Like when I reach out to people and I don't need anything and I am literally and honestly and genuinely just checking in with them, I've had some of those people end up becoming clients. I've had some of those people end up um, inviting me to come um, speak at one of their events. It's funny, but when you're not desperate for help, uh, people are, for whatever reason, more open to helping you. And there is the, the cruel irony of professional networking.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, the law of reciprocity is a magical thing. And that reciprocity can be like, wow, this person's checking in. They don't want anything. Wow, I feel like I need <laughs> to do something now. It's, it's very <laughs> right, interesting exactly. how the human mind works. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. How would you say that relationships have helped you out in your career?
1: Well, there's there's a there's I guess two ways I think about this. There's there's both the prefer, professional relationships and the personal relationships, and I've I've found that they're both really important. So uh, I'll start with the professional side of it, is um, because it's just it's been critical to the work I do. So professionally, when I think about my current business, which is essentially it falls into three areas. I'm a speaker. I'm also a coach, and I'm also a podcast host. And in, in each of those cases, uh, most of my speaking engagements have come through relationships. The clients that I have have typically come through former colleagues or managers or relatives of people I know. And podcasting, as you know, it's, it's pretty much if you want to get a good guest on your show or you want to connect with somebody, you got to build that relationship with them. And so, so it's it's really been a critical part of everything I've done professionally and I think as important if not more important are the personal relationships so i um, I'm married I have a, a three year old daughter I um, find it very important to spend time with them whenever I can and I find it really rejuvenating and uh, and quite quite uh, quite relaxing to just take a break from my work and to slow down and to Um, just uh, make sure that I am taking care of other parts of my life. And those relationships actually help me approach my work in a way that is healthier and uh, reminds me that there is more to my life than just work, which uh, allows me to have a healthy relationship with my work. So yeah, they've Mm. both been really important.
0: Definitely. Definitely. It's really powerful. Um, I think, you know, if you make your entire life just about your work, That can, that can soon lead to burnout and just making sure that you have those other fun activities that you do in your life. I feel like when I do those things, wow, now I'm refreshed to go back to work. I'm ready to crush it now. Yeah. Actually, one question I really like to ask people on this podcast uh, is what are some non-business activities that you do? Non-work-related activities that indirectly have an impact on your business?
1: Yeah. So, um, that, well, the first one is spending time with people in my life who are important to me. So uh, that is spending time with my family. I, um, one of the nice things about being an entrepreneur or being a solopreneur or business owner is you do have some flexibility over your time. So I, uh, like I said, I got a, I got a three-year-old daughter and um, I try to either pick her up or drop her off to school every day. Um, I try to be home pretty much every night for bedtime. That's, that's really important to me. And uh, again, just gives me a good perspective on my life. Another thing I, I, well, I used to like doing this, but I can't do it as much during the pandemic is I used to go swimming a lot, which was really, mm. um, it was just so important to me because uh, swimming is actually not one of those things that I was ever very comfortable with for most of my life. I was actually very afraid of the water for probably the first three decades of my life. And then I moved to the UK about 10 years ago and I picked up swimming again. And these solo sports, whether it's it's swimming or now running, because all, all the pools are closed now here in the UK, these solo sports are important to me because I define myself as an introvert. And I think it's good to spend time with other people, but it's also good to spend time with yourself sometimes and to just uh, make sure that you've got some time to, to reflect. And when I'm swimming, all I'm thinking about is Uh, basically not drowning. And so it just, it allows me to get my mind off of other things, which is really important. And then the other thing, which is, I guess this is sort of business related, but sort of not, is I listen to a ton of podcasts myself. And I feel like podcasts give me different perspectives on things. And I find that there's a lot of crossover lessons from non-business related podcasts um, that can be applicable to a wide range of seemingly unrelated aspects of your life. So I listen to relationship podcasts and parenting podcasts. And and yes, I do also listen to business podcasts. And and all of those things provide me with additional perspectives that um in some way do actually help me approach my business and my work differently.
0: Mm, definitely. I think the one one thing that I really like about podcasts is you're listening to two people having a conversation. And yeah. so in many ways, when I'm listening to a podcast, I almost feel like, wow, my two really smart friends are having a chat and I'm just listening and I'm really interested in what they're saying. And that's yeah. almost the feeling it invokes. And I think um, one great thing about that is the way in which it upgrades your brain in different ways. So it upgrades your brain by being able to see through other people's eyes and walk in other people's shoes. Like what's going on in this person's head? How do they think? And then it upgrades your brain with all of the powerful lessons that you're continuously learning.
1: Yeah, yeah, you put that very well. I, I couldn't agree more. I used, to, I used to work, so I've always been a huge radio fan when I was younger. Again, sometimes you can get a lot of clues around your interest by actually going all the way back to your childhood before all this societal judgment and expectation starts to enter into your life. And one of the things I loved doing when I was a young kid was, uh, well, I wasn't on the radio, but I used to like going and uh, taking taking my mom's tape recorder. It was a cassette recorder. And I would just record my voice into it and just record other things around the house and just play it back. I've always been fascinated by audio and and radio and just the, the power of that medium. And when I worked in radio, one of the things that they told us, which I think relates to what you were just alluding to, is that some of the best radio out there or the best audio is when you feel like you're eavesdropping in on a conversation between two people. And I think a lot of podcasting as you mentioned is, is a one-on-one conversation between two people you wouldn't otherwise get to sit next to in a cafe and so that's why yeah that's why i love podcasts so much
0: yeah definitely it's really really powerful um veering into a related topic but not the exact same one so i love to ask people this question because everyone has a different rule book and a guidebook by which they live their lives because everyone is different and different things work for different people. There are principles that can apply across the board, but everyone is different. And so something that I'm really curious about is what rules do you have for your life that lead to success in your eyes?
1: Well, so, um, so rules are, yeah, it's an interesting word because I feel like rules in my life have in some way, sometimes they serve me and sometimes they don't serve me. And I'll, so I'll focus on the ones that, that do serve me. The, the first one that I've found to be really important is to make time for people and friends in your life. And this has been something that's been so important to me since, gosh, since I was a teenager. And it's something you may have heard me talk about in my TED Talk was I actually I had this collapsed lung back when I was a teenager. Um, and it really, uh, it really changed my outlook on life and just reminded me how fragile life is. And I, I oftentimes find myself frustrated by how little time people make for others. And I know sometimes that's outside of your control. And as a, as a parent of a toddler myself, I know, I know it is not always as easy as saying just, oh, you just need to make more time for people. But I really do try to make time for people and friends in my life. And it's something I've always tried to do. It's been very important to me. The, I guess a couple more that come to mind. Another one is just to work hard and not for the sake of working hard. I don't think working hard in and of itself necessarily does anything for you. But I, the way I think about it is to not be afraid of doing things that are difficult because if you can outlast people or if you can return and give something an additional shot, maybe one more time than someone else is willing to do, it's a way of distinguishing yourself from others. I've found that that persistence has helped me a lot. And then just another couple of things I'll mention is just staying organized because uh, staying organized is half the battle. And whether that means having a good system to keep on top of all your tasks or just being very rigorous in how you plan out your day, I've found that to be really important. And then finally, just to make sure that you put your health first. And I really do Mm -hmm. try to take care of my health because if you don't have your health, then nothing else really matters.
0: Definitely. You can be the richest man in the world. But if you have heart disease, then right. you're not going to be able to enjoy life to the full in the sense of a, a poorer person who's completely healthy. And I think that's right. something that people who are, yes, entrepreneurs, but also people just obsessed with their career can forget. And they can forget, wow, I'm a human. And in order <laughs> right. to be able to do things and actually do well in my career and other areas of my life, I need to be a healthy person so neglecting yeah. that is probably a bad idea.
1: Yeah, we oftentimes we we I think what happens with entrepreneurs is you get so obsessed with your ideas and which is great, right? Like if everybody brought that level of passion to their work, we'd we'd live in an incredible world, which which we do live in an incredible world, it'd be even that more incredible. Yeah. But yeah, it's that's the that's also the plight of the entrepreneur is that you you put yourself last often and um and sometimes the people in your life Uh, get left behind too. And so it's, um, yeah, it's important to take care of yourself. Otherwise you really can't, you can't do your best work and you can't bring your best self to, um, to each and every day.
0: 1000%. So the last question I'd like to ask you, Joseph is what are the three key truths about the entrepreneurial journey that you drop on a young entrepreneur today?
1: Okay. Well, number one, is something we've already talked about today, which is that you're going to have some setbacks. And yeah. just knowing that that is going to happen can perhaps help offset the inevitable disappointment you're going to feel. Things are going to generally take longer than you imagine. And you're probably going to have to give it a few more attempts than you had expected. But your ability to manage your own emotions and to bounce back from these setbacks is going to have a direct impact on your trajectory. So that's number 1. Number 2 is that some things are going to feel really personal. And you're going to uh, like you're going to get rejection from clients or customers or media outlets you're trying to reach out to. There's going to be judgment from your friends and your family. You may not be getting the traction that you want with your ideas or the product or the service that you're trying to launch. And to just if possible, and I know it's hard to do sometimes cuz I struggle with it myself is just to try to remember that there is more to your life than your work. And mm-hmm. just trying to maintain that perspective will help, help you, hopefully, um, not take things more personally than necessary. And then the third one to mention, which may feel kind of touchy-feely, and I, I was one of those people who, I guess, was skeptical of this idea before, but um, your psychology and your mindset really do matter a lot. And a lot of times I'll listen to these podcasts about like business tactics or just like the executional side of entrepreneurship, which is, it is, that's, as that's very important also, because if you're not executing on your, your business plans and that's, that's not going to allow you to get where you want to go, but your psychology and your mindset along the way do matter a lot. And if you can have a healthy mindset and, and a mindset that serves you well, I have found that you will be more successful based on the measures you're using to achieve success. And so just making sure you take care of your own psychology, having a positive mindset. That mm. is where all of your actions and your results are going to arise from. So it's, uh, it's important to prioritize that.
0: Definitely. It's really, really powerful stuff. Thank you so much, Joseph. I uh, really enjoyed this chat with you do you have anything that you'd like to plug to my audience and where can people find you?
1: Well, first of all, thanks for having me Yasmeen. and I enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate your time today. Yeah. If people want to learn more about me, there's a couple places they could go. They could go to my website, which is josephlu.co or if they want to check out my podcast, it's called career relaunch and I feature people who have made major career changes, including people who have gone off to start their own businesses you can feel free to go to careerrelaunch.net.
0: Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes. so People can find it very easily. Uh, And yeah, thank you so much, Joseph, for coming on. I had so much fun.
1: Okay, thank you, Yasmina. Have a great day.
0: You too. Do you ever feel like you put on a front to the world? I did an episode for this podcast with my friend Will Nedder a while back, called How to Hack Yourself and Live Life to the Fullest, and we were talking all about how many, many people bottle up their emotions. They mask their true feelings and their true selves with a fake smile, firstly because going through hard times is not something that people typically want to hear about, and secondly because they're afraid to show the world their true colours. One thing that I really love is that Will likes to ask people, how are you really doing? Not how are you doing, but how are you really doing, because that then gives them the permission to open up, unburden, and be unashamedly themselves, and feel lighter and more liberated in the aftermath. And one day Will himself was actually going through a tough time, and he confessed to the person he was speaking to in that moment, I'm just low-key emotional, I just put on a front all the time. To which the immediate reply was, you should totally put that on a t-shirt. And boom, the low-key emotional streetwear brand was born. Will's passion for his brand truly oozes through in everything he does, and he essentially created this as a call to authenticity. A lot of us put on a front for the world of how we want the world to think about us instead of who we really are. We hide these parts of ourselves from others out of a fear that we will be judged negatively by others or that we won't be accepted for the person that we really are. So I want to ask you, what's your front? At the end of the day, the low-key emotional brand is all about facing your truth. So if you want to wear clothes like a hoodie, a cap, a bikini that actually stand for something real and keep your hustle low-key, I have an exclusive offer just for you as my podcast listener. With me, you get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10, that's Y-A-S-10, at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. All of the links and the details are in the show notes. I gotta say, I have their hoodie myself. It's extremely comfortable. It looks incredibly hip. I love wearing it. And so if you're one of the cool kids, this is most definitely for you. Again, you can get a 10% discount using the discount code YAS10. That's Y-A-S-10 at the checkout at lowkeyemotional.com. And you too will be rocking the street look in no time. Again, all of the details are in the show notes.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Entrepreneur's Journey. This episode is recorded in London by Yasmina Ellens. The music for the show as well as the editing is done by Jake Babineau. If you've gotten anything out of this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend or liking it in the iTunes store. These things help more than anything else in reaching a broader audience and in turn will lead to better episodes for you to listen to. Thanks again and we'll see you in the next episode.